Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. So if you guys are anything like me and you struggle with allergies, raise your hand because I am right there with you. I get super itchy throat, itchy ears, and I sneeze like a crazy woman. And it really does prevent me from wanting to take my daily walks with my husband. But luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. It is designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongests your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, and an itchy nose and sinus congestion and pressure with an ease, which is a exactly what I need. So I have been using them anytime that I have allergies, which has been many, many times. I have found that it has definitely helped me so much where I can go outside again and enjoy my day. So if you guys are ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it is time to live Claritin Clear. It is fast and powerful. Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to Happy and Healthy. Hello. How is your Tuesday going? But if you're not listening to this on a Tuesday, then I don't know what to say. I hope you're... I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Wednesday? How's your Wednesday going? Today has been a really just chill work day. I've just been cozied up in my house, just trying to stay warm, just trying to prepare for some Bible studies I'm hosting, and I'm really excited for today's guest. Um, we have Levi Lesko on. So Levi just released a new book, and we're going to have him on today. His book is called The Last Supper on the Moon. If you're watching the YouTube video, you can see the cover of this book. It's very cool. The whole concept and idea of the book is actually really, really cool. It's NASA's 1969 lunar voyage, Jesus Christ's bloody death, and the fantastic quest to conquer inner space. Now, it might sound a little confusing when you're reading like the title, but when he describes it, I was extremely intrigued, and I have the book, and I was like, wow, I'm really excited to get to read this. It's a big boy book, but uh, I think it's going to have some really cool things in there, and I love that he intertwines astronomy, not astrology, astronomy with the Bible. I think that's so cool. So we had a really good conversation. We talk about all things from, you know, tragedy to disappointments to anxiety in this, um, just culture, and all sorts of things. Like, his book is really incredible, and he's a really great conversationalist and so I think you guys are going to enjoy today's episode of course let me know if you are enjoying it let me know if you're listening on the happy and healthy Instagram um, we repost every single one that you guys tag us in so if you're listening share it with your friends and we will repost it and I also repost it onto my personal Instagram as well which is Janine Amapola and again don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel because we post these every single Tuesday on there as well if you would like to see the guest or if you're more of a visual person, then this is for you. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and I love y'all. I think it's going to be a fun one and let's just get right into it and bring on Levi Lesko. Levi, what is up? Hey, how we doing, Janine? We're good. You know, I am trying to stay warm. I know just before we hit record, you were asking me if I was staying warm 
Uh, so far, we're staying warm. So this podcast is probably going up in like the next two, three weeks. And for those that don't know, Dallas currently got hit with a little snowstorm. So I'm looking out my window. It is just white everywhere, which is very abnormal for us Texans. I think we uh, shared because we were coming on. We brought our Montana weather your way. So yeah, I was actually going to ask because I know I saw that you live in Montana, but you have multiple churches like all over Wyoming, Oregon, Utah. But you are located in Montana. Yeah, and it is uh, as right now. I think it's nine degrees out, and it's uh, snowy out here as well. Yeah. Dang. Okay. So, are you born and raised from Montana? No, I'm from Colorado originally, okay. and then California. And then, you know, here. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I also lived in California. I lived in L.A. for about three years, just moved back during the pandemic. I'm from Dallas um, and just felt the Lord was like, you need to get out of there. (laughs) And I kind of now see why. Um, Did you live in L.A. or what part? Uh, Orange County. Oh, Orange County. Okay, that is a gorgeous spot. If I were to move anywhere, it probably would have been back down south. It's fabulous, you know, and, uh, you know, you're close to Disneyland. You have the beach right there. Not too far from L.A. or San Diego. Yes. And what part of Montana? Because I just went to Montana um, this past December for Christmas with my family. We went to Big Sky, went snowboarding there, and it was absolutely stunning. Is Are you near Big Sky, or where are you located? So I'm about six hours away from Big Sky. Okay. We're up by Canada in a place called um, uh, Whitefish, right by Glacier National Park. Um, they're skiing in lakes, and it's kind of perfect. Okay, I got to ask, are you snowboarder, skier? What do you do? snowboarder my, okay. my buddy my, my four-year-old son and I both snowboard then all the girls ski and uh, my wife doesn't really do either <laughs> not a fan of the cold <laughs> she likes hot cocoa and a good book in the lodge and get a massage you know that's yeah. more her speed yeah that's awesome okay well obviously um there might be some people on this podcast that don't know who you are for those that don't this is Levi Lesko you are the founder and the lead pastor of Fresh Life Church and can you just share a, a little bit more of your story just kind of your background um how did you get into kind of being a pastor and what has that journey been for you you know ever since I was two years old I was I said I was going to be a pastor so it's really the only thing I've ever really known I was going to do um and uh, my wife and I started the church 15 years ago. We moved from California up here, literally knew nobody, knew nothing about Montana other wow. than we felt like God wanted us to come. And we ended up starting our church in a little empty room above a bar um, and just invited people that we met around town to come to the church. And it kind of grew from there as people would bring their friends and bring their family. And we've just tried to teach the Bible in a really non-intense, non-religious kind of way, just helping people, encouraging people to know Jesus's love. And it's been beautiful to watch God move through the church. Wow. That's awesome. And why do y'all feel like God said Montana? Like what were the signs that you were like, okay, this is why we're being called there? Well, you know, that's a great question. We were really happy where we were in Orange County. We were newly married, one child. It, you know, we had season passes to Disneyland. I was taking up surfing. We were eating at In-N-Out Burger all the time. It was like perfect life California on paper, dream. you know? Well, yeah, you had it kind of like, this is our life. I could see yeah. it, you know, but, but then I can't describe it other than I felt deep down, like I was supposed to do something. I was supposed to step out in faith. I almost looked at our life and said, this is, this isn't hard enough, like not in a suffering way, but almost like there's something more and we're supposed to, you know, I've always really resonated with Lewis and Clark and, you know, step out in faith and dr- dream a dream and do something impossible. And, the, the idea came of starting a church in Montana and it felt like that. And wow. so we said, Hey, look, let's give it five years. If it doesn't work, we can always come back and go back to California or whatever. And let's just, what if God really is in it? 
And so we really felt like he was. And when people started getting saved and coming and, you know, we were almost more surprised than anybody that it really worked. Dang. Wow. That's so cool. I feel like that's when you just know there's just something like deep inside. You cannot explain it, but you're like, I know I'm being compelled. And that's like literally how I felt. Like I was in California. I was in, you know, the best of the best. I had my people. I had my church. Same thing. I would go surfing like every day with my friends. I mean, I felt like I was living the California dream. And then I felt this tug in my heart and God was like, go back home, go back home. And I was like, oh, why? And it was literally crazy. Like a year ago yesterday was when I felt like I got my house and I was like, all right, you know what? Committing, I'm doing this. And I don't know if you know, but I think you were on my roommates, um, Instagram live. I'm roommates with Madison Pruitt actually, which is kind of funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So we're roommates. And so around that same time last year, we were like, okay, we're moving to Dallas. We're making the jump. And around the same time last year too, was when Dallas had that like crazy winter storm. So I'm hoping it's not as bad as it was last year. What's weird about that is I was in Dallas this weekend preaching at a church. And then last year, right before that storm hit, I was in Houston. And the day we left, the storm came the next day. So I feel like me coming to Texas, Jack Frost comes with me. So I apologize (laughs) for that. Okay. So you bring it and then you leave it and then you get out. That's not very fair for us. Yeah. I I apologize. I will never do it again. All good. Well, I do like a good, you know, a good snowstorm because we don't really get it very often here. But I do say, I, th- I will say just to anybody listening, like, you know what? Like, life is too short to wonder what if. If God's yes. calling you to do it, it doesn't have to make sense on paper. It doesn't have to add up. Peter got called to step out of a boat and walk on water. Like, if do it. Like, like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, right. you fail, but at least you don't have to sit there dream, going, what if I had tried, you know? Mm. God, that is such good advice. I feel like I tell people that all the time because there's girls that follow me and they're in their like early 20s and they're like, should I move? Should I do it? And I'm like, just go. Like if you go and you're obedient to the Lord, you're serving him, you're seeking his counsel, like he's not going to lead you astray. And even if you feel like you might have messed up, like he's going to correct it. And I love that you're just helping people kind of be like, just be bold and take the first step of faith. And I think that's awesome. Um, so we're obviously here because we're talking about your new book, which you're wearing the hat right now. Um, before we jumped on, I was just saying like, wow, this is a, this is a big book and I want to hear more about it. So the book is called obviously the last supper on the moon. And I didn't know much about the book. And so I kind of started watching some of your YouTube um, videos about it. And honestly, I was blown away. I didn't know, um, that Neil Armstrong took communion on Buzz, Buzz Aldrin. My bad. I suck. <laughs> he was there. Neil was there, though. Neil was there, but Buzz took uh, communion on the moon. I literally had no idea of that. So can you yeah. just obviously tell me more about this book? Why this book? Why are you passionate about this? And just I want to hear everything about it. Yes. Well, thank you for the opportunity and to have me on today. Um, the I didn't know either. You know, somehow in school, they never taught us that this happened. You learn about the moon and, and it's funny, you see it in every movie and especially like a romantic movie. You're always like, I'll, I'll last the moon for you. And it's this thing that's always been there our whole lives. The moon's been there, you know, and it's, there's so many parallels to our journey that's, that we can learn from the moon, how it, how it's got like cycles. It moves through, you know, full moon, crescent moon, half moon, all the rest and, and then new moon. And, and so like, it's kind of a parallel of our, of our lives. And I believe also just like 
um, the moon doesn't actually have any light. It's dark, but the moon shines the light of the sun. Like it's mm. kind of like what God wants us to do to take his light. And we're not supposed to manufacture that light. We don't have to have the pressure of being the sun, but if we are doing the good job of letting God's light shine on us, that, that it'll shine out. And it also is comforting to me. I think that's where I began when I first found out that in 1969 on the first lunar voyage, Buzz Aldrin got permission to bring wine in a little, you know, container and some bread and a little card that I have a photo in the photo section of where he wrote down the words of Jesus from John 15, five, that says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Ugh, if you I abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. He read that on the moon, then drank the, the wine and ate the bread. And that was the first thing ever eaten on the moon, the body and blood of Jesus being celebrated. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah, you really don't hear much about that. And and first of all, I feel like an idiot saying Neil Armstrong when it was Buzz. Is that where they got like Buzz Lightyear though from this guy? They that is exactly where okay. they got Buzz Lightyear. It just clicked yep. in my mind. I was like, okay, that's where Buzz Lightyear came. Which from. wasn't even his real name. Um, his sister, his younger sister, couldn't pronounce brother, so she called him Buzzer. <laughs> and so they started calling him Buzzer, and that became his nickname. And and so Buzz Lightyear is a nod to Buzz Aldrin. Wow, that's a cool fun fact. So were you kind of like always intrigued with the moon and like this science or this history? Or what was it that all of a sudden intrigued you to be like, this is the direction I want to go? Because honestly, I think it's extremely unique. When I was watching the videos, I was like, oh my gosh, the whole branding, the story, the everything. I was like, I've never heard someone take that and turn it into like a gospel related thing. And I thought that was super unique and cool. So how did you like kind of get inspired into making this type of book? It's a weird journey. You know, it's like a little bit like Kevin Bacon where God kind of leads like, oh, I've always been a curious person. I like learning about things like I get into stuff and, you know, like to study on it and all that. But um, I have a friend who's actually in fashion. He runs uh, East St. Laurent for North America. Wow. And he was the one who told me about communion. We were out hanging out in Montana and he he was like, um, hey, did you know that, you know, Buzz took communion? And then I'm like, shut up. That didn't happen. Like that. What the heck? So I, I Google it and I'm like, sure enough, it happened. I was that was two and a half years before the book came out. And uh, I just I was lying in bed that night and the phrase the last supper on the moon, I could see it. And I had been taking a break from writing. This is my sixth book. Wow. And I was, you know, after my my fifth one was a children's book. My fourth one was a devotional. But I was pretty tired after my third full length book. And I just I told my agent, I'm not writing. I told my publisher, I'm not signing any new contracts. I need I need to hear from God before I pick up the pen again. You know, mm. it's hard. It's and I need to really know it's from him. And when this book title came to me, I was literally like, how could I ever write a book so big? Like mm. the concept is so grand, you know, the moon and all that. So I, 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 I literally for a whole year, I knew I was supposed to, but I was disobeying by not doing it. And God kept like nudging me like, Hey man, Hey man, come on. I, and I literally was like, will people get it? If I write a book about the moon, will people understand it? Cause I also want to teach the Bible and I want to help people deal with their inner space. Cause that's really kind of the premise is that if we look up to the heavens, like if you're having, I've struggled with anxiety and panic in my life. And if I'm having a hard night, if I go outside and look up at the moon, it kind of calms me down mm. because I can go, okay, God's that big. He's got me. He's mm. got me, which is what the Bible says that the moon should do. Right. You know, I don't know if you ever take the cover off, but under the cover, I have a, a little Easter egg. Oh, let's see it. I got my book right here. Oh, 
Wow. So the Easter egg is Psalm 8. So read that verse. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is the man that you are mindful of, of him and the son of the man that you visit him? Psalm 8, 3 or 4. Isn't that cool? That's beautiful. Wow. That's David. David wrote that. And David had tons of hard nights. And he said, but when I look up and when I lift my eyes, I see the moon, I see the stars. And he said, that kind of leads me to the next question. If you did that, then who am I, right? What is man? And then he said, the son of man that you visit him, that word visit, most theologians agree is referencing Christmas, that Jesus came to this world. Mm. So he's saying like, then I realized like you would come to this earth. So it's not, it's pretty amazing that we would go to the moon, but it's even better that God would send his son here. Right. And so that was something to me that like David comforted me in my hardest moments. And that's what I wanted this book to do, but I was afraid I wouldn't be able to pull it off and that people wouldn't understand. Um, and cause I kind of wanted to combine a ton of history with Bible teaching, but also make it super personal where someone right. reading it, going through any hardship could be encouraged. And um, so for a year I waited, then I finally picked up my pen and started writing. And, uh, and then, you know, after I finished it, I was so glad I did, but I hadn't told my agent or my publisher. And so then I I reached out and said, Hey, I wrote this. And normally that's not how it works. You don't just write a whole book, then try and get a book deal. Right. And fortunately they were super excited about it. That is awesome. What a cool story. And I know, cause you talk a lot about just kind of, pain or people that are going through hardships, would you say like this, like who would you say this book is really for? If someone's going through blank, this book is for you. I would say if, if someone listening to this message looks at other people and, and thinks everybody else, you know, kind of has it easier than me, everyone else seems to be happier than me. If anyone has ever looked at like the moon that you can't grab a hold of with your fingers and thought the life that I want is just out of reach like that, Mm -hmm. this book would be for you. Because I want this book to be hopefully something that can help propel you towards the life that God wants you to live, which I believe is a life full of happiness. Um, that's what Psalm 1 means when it says, oh, how blessed or oh, how happy is the man who walks with God, basically. So I think a lot of times we, we misunderstand what God has for us and we settle for far too little. Mm. Wow, that's really good. And so I... I've looked kind of more into your story, and it seems like you've gone through some really hard things. Um, I know one of your daughters tragically passed away. That's part of your story and some other things that have happened in your story. Um, Can you kind of just share a little bit more of, like, that story and how you kind of overcame it? And then just, again, advice for people that might be walking through that season right now that feel like I'm at my absolute wit's end, the last, you know, what what do I do? Um, Can you talk more about that story and advice for someone that's going through that? Of course. Yeah. So my wife and I have five kids all together. We have four daughters and then a son. The son's four. The oldest daughter's 16. So we kind of have the spread there. And uh, back in 2012, our second born daughter, her name's Linya. She had an asthma attack uh, five days before Christmas. Mm. And she was fine one minute. And the next minute she can't breathe. And the next minute she's gone. Literally like that. And it was so sudden. We didn't have time to prepare. We never got to say goodbye. It was just like the most devastating, horrible thing. Like as a, as a father, I felt so helpless because I couldn't do anything. I mean, I was doing CPR. We called 911. We prayed and God chose instead of answering our prayers, like we wanted him to, to choose to take her home where we know that she's safe with him. And we're going to see her again when we get to go home too. And until then, you know, we want to serve him. And so as, as hard as that was, 
God, I don't know how to describe it, honestly, except that the Bible says God gives peace that passes understanding. Right. And I believe that means that it passes your brain. And we trusted him. We, we've got on our knees in the hospital. We prayed. We asked God. Um, we said, thank you for letting us be Linnea's parents. Thank you for letting us have five years with her. And we asked for strength to, to continue to serve. And, and God gave us that strength. And I'm not saying it was easy. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying it was quick. But we've healed and we've gotten the counseling and we've done what we needed to do to heal those wounds. And now I've, I mean, grief is still a part of our story, but it's God's turned that into power. And I believe we're honestly stronger than had we not gone through it. And so that's my message to people, not that life's going to be easy or pretty. When I say God wants you to be happy, I don't mean that glibly, like you always get the front spot at the parking lot at the mall. I'm saying there's something even better than what you think happiness can look like. And that's a life knowing that God's with you. Yeah, well, and I think that's also kind of the slip, the slippery slope is that a lot of pastors can be preaching the prosperity gospel of, you know, when you become a Christian, then all of a sudden you're so happy and everything's fine, and you can experience that, you know, firsthand and be like, hey, I am a believer. I, you know, I've had this wife, and tragedy still happens. You know, things still happen, and so I guess kind of like, you know, first of all, that that is so sad, and I'm so sorry that happened. Um, but but secondly. What do you say to like the skeptics or the people that are like, well, if your God is so good, then why would he take your daughter away? Like, how do you respond to people or even someone that's listening that is doubting God being like, well, my mom died. And so why should I trust God? How do you respond to that? Jesus never promised his followers a storm free life. Mm -hmm. In fact, just the opposite. But what he did promise us is that through the storms, we would make it to the other side and that he would be with us. So we don't have to be afraid. So like, Paul wrote the book of joy. There's literally a book in the Bible called the book of joy and it's Philippians, but he wrote it from a jail cell and he uses the word joy more times in that book than anywhere else in the Bible. And he's in prison. So I don't, I think we have a different picture. Like the big thing that to me that is such a revelation is that our happiness and our circumstances don't have to have anything to do with each other, that I literally can be going through the worst thing ever. But if I'm focused on God and other people, I'm actually going to be happier than if I'm focused on me. And that's really kind of the message here. The last supper on the moon is that that happiness doesn't come by us, like finding ourselves and figuring our identity and putting ourselves first. But when we, when we're living positioned like the moon to broadcast the light of the sun, it's amazing how you can go through any horrible thing in any dark day and still have peace, joy, and, and happiness. And that's possible. But to the person who goes, Hey, you know, I, I just don't know if I could believe that. How could a God of love let something like that happen? I would say, first of all, God didn't want death or sin in this world. That's why he told Adam and Eve not to choose sin. And that's why he tells us not to choose sin. But when we choose to sin, we choose to suffer. God's so good that he works the hard and bad things to accomplish his purposes, even though we shouldn't have, which he doesn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I would say a person with God and a person without God are both going to suffer, grieve, yeah deal with crap and die. But the person who does so with God has the promise of heaven, has the promise of his Holy Spirit, and has that peace that passes understanding. So between those two, I choose doing it with God. Amen. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, yeah, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're like all of a sudden immune to pain or tragedy or death or even anxiety. I mean, you mentioned that that was kind of something that was part of your story is panic attacks and anxiety and I mean, as you know, that anxiety is on an absolute rise, especially since the pandemic. I mean, it is just so sad to see the amount of 
people that are living in fear and anxious and depressed and all that stuff. And so I love your, first of all, your answers to the, to that question. Um, but I guess, you know, this was something I wasn't really planning on asking, but like, what are your thoughts and advice for anxiety? I know you, you mentioned obviously the Bible and these verses and still having joy, but practically kind of, what does that look like for you with the anxiety and the panic attacks? So good. Well, I would say, first of all, you know, we can't paint with a broom because some people have maybe um, an actual medical condition or, mm-hmm. you know, chemically an imbalance and that's real. And that's not, that doesn't mean you're crazy. Yep. I need contact lenses to see. And that, that's not, doesn't mean I'm not, I don't have faith. You know, God's yeah. given us medical science and, you know, that, that includes uh, pharmaceutical industry. So you, if you're a doctor and you're a psychologist or counselor, you know, if it, a part of that may include medically treating that. So that's not a, that's not a lack of faith there. But I would also say I don't have any sort of medical reason that that would cause me to need something to treat my anxiety. I believe, honestly, and this is a little bit of a hot take, I believe our culture is is pushing us towards a life that is bringing about symptoms to medical conditions that we don't have. Wow. So that's a hot take. Let me set, let's, 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 let's sit there for a minute. What are we doing on our phones all day? Mm-hmm. They've proven social media, comparison, binge watching, Netflix, all those things. That connectivity isn't necessarily how our souls were meant to thrive. Yeah. So I think constant news, constant bickering, constant FOMO, constant being aware of what everyone else's life is being broadcasted to look like. I think that actually can rewire us in such a way, even like pornography, they've proven it leads to higher rates of depression. So wow. am I just, do I have a, well, I need to go to a doctor and get medicine because I'm depressed. Well, maybe you have an issue and maybe that's a part of the treatment strategy, but maybe you also are, you have to look at your life. Like if I don't sleep well, it could be that I'm dehydrated. It could be that I'm, you know, I'm have my TV on always in my bedroom. So mm-hmm. I would say like, so for me, I did go to my doctor. I did go to my psychologist. I did go to other pastors and get prayer, but I also had to ask the questions like, what am I doing with my choices? You know, right. and so part of it was to get a second phone that was a dumb phone. I could switch my SIM card into that couldn't get Instagram, couldn't get that kind of stuff. You can do the same thing with screen time. Right. I started taking up fly fishing, which like I'd have to go out in the woods and just be out with like nature. And I always made like, I will never be a fisherman, but it's like, dude, actually it's kind of cheaper than therapy and super <laughs> good for the soul. Yeah. So little things like that, like even just how much rest you're getting practically, you can actually, I mean, it's a form of torture, right? To yeah. keep someone sleep deprived. So I would say it's a nuanced thing. And just like a stool, you need to look at all those different legs. Right. Wow. That's so good. And honestly, yeah, like the whole anxiety thing could be like a whole separate hour conversation, but thank you for kind of like narrowing that down a little bit. And I do think that's, that is kind of the harsh reality is that a lot of people don't want to do the hard things. They don't want to ha- actually have to assess or audit or look really deep down inside what is causing this or affecting it. And I also do like that you mentioned there are actual medical conditions, like how you mentioned the the contact lenses. Like that is so, so, so true. But I do think a lot of people are numbing and suppressing and just trying to find the quick fix and it's like, y'all, the hard work is where we grow. Like we have to be uncomfortable and be willing to have other people ask us really hard questions. Like, why aren't you sleeping? Well, what, what is this? Where did this stem from? And so it's really cool that you found other things and even just getting like two cell phones, like no, no one really wants to do that. And I, do you know, um, you know, Jonathan Pakluda? I know of him. Okay. Yeah. He's awesome. He's a good friend of mine. And he always talks about like He's really like black and white with things like very much like, hey, if you want to stop looking at porn, then throw your phone away. 
And like, no one's really, no one really wants to do that. But it, it, like mm. what you just said there, you're like, hey, you can get another phone and get a different SIM card and go outside. And it's like, it is the ultimate die to self. Like, yeah, my flesh wants to keep my cell phone, but my spirit knows I don't need the cell phone. And that's just like one example of like one of those situations. But it's cool that you actually like chose the harder route to be like, I'm going to address this and deal with that. Um, so that's really inspiring. Yeah. Right. I mean, how bad do you want it is the question. Jesus said to that man who was lying at the pool of Bethesda in John five, he said, do you want to be made well? Mm -hmm. And you would think like, that's such an insensitive question to ask a guy lying on the ground. Like, do you want to be made well? But what Jesus knows that we need to know is not everybody who's down actually wants to get up. Cause if we did that, we could actually take those steps to, to get up. Mm. Wow. That's so good. So I know you said that you go fly fishing. What does it kind of look like for you? Because I, I just had Sadie Robertson on the podcast and we kind of got to talk about, you know, healthy boundaries within social media and being careful what you're consuming and all that stuff. And for you being a pastor and a writer, what does that look like for you to Sabbath and really get away and hear the Lord? And how often are you doing that? That's a great question. Oh, by the way, we took Sadie Robertson fly fishing for the first time in her entire life when she came up here. No so way. You have photos. It's pretty funny. Okay. I gotta, um, I gotta come do that. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I mean, we take every single week, like the Bible kind of gives us a principle, uh, a day and that day we always have waffles and uh, my wife and I do our absolute best to keep our phones off that day. And, you know, in the wintertime, we'll go skiing. In the summertime, we'll go um, maybe hiking, go up into the into nature some way. We have a little fishing boat, so we'll go out and do that um, and just try and have those rhythms in weekly. And then every year we take a vacation as a family and I take all social media off my our devices. We turn the email accounts off. I don't bring my laptop. And literally we go Amish, you know, before the pandemic, we would always go to Maui. My kids objected to the nasal swab for the COVID uh, test, so we haven't gone back yet. But yeah, um, yeah this we went to Cabo one year. We we find something, you know, just to be completely retuned into each other. Yeah. And then I try and every week have some some point something where I can reconnect with myself as well. Journaling is such an important thing yeah. for me. If I feel stress coming on and that intensity, I've breathing exercises are really, really powerful to sort of do a body scan, calm your neurological system down and kind of the autonomic, you know, system down and just kind of chill out a little bit. Awesome. Thanks for that response. So, okay. Kind of starting to wrap up here. We have some, uh, questions from some followers that wanted to ask you something. So number one, I'm not really sure if this is something that I'm just unaware of, but are you into like potatoes or something? Oh my gosh. Yes. I <laughs> Can you explain a, this? <laughs> yes. So good. I did a message at Passion 2022 on the Irish potato famine and specifically because the Bible says that there's there's going to be a time in the world where there's a famine for the word of God. And he was specifically in that book of Amos referring to a famine that was coming where they weren't doing the will of God that they had. And that's the famine because Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the father. So I think a lot of us have Bibles, but we're not doing God's will. So that's a famine of God's word. We're not doing God's word. And so I kind of referred back to a historical famine of uh, the potatoes, the Irish. It was a horrible time when the Irish nation was emptied out of a third of its population due to all the potatoes dying. So. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, because I went to Passion this year, but uh, my flight got delayed. And so I didn't get in until like way, way later in the night. So I think I missed your sermon. And I was so confused because this one, Emily was the one that asked it. She said mashed or baked potatoes. 
That's yes. Okay. Definitely mashed. I agree. Absolutely agree. Okay. That makes more sense on the potatoes. Okay. The next question is from uh, Steph and she said, what was the hardest part of writing the book? Starting. Okay. Starting, you know, think about this. When a spaceship takes off um, on, on the ground, it, it uses, um, I think the, the Saturn V rocket, which is what took us to the moon, it weighed six and a half million pounds. It burned up 5 million pounds of fuel in the first 150 seconds. Whoa. So the most of the, full of the fuel got burnt up just leaving Earth's gravity. Then getting to the moon and back was a piece of cake, all things considered. So I think just getting started, your first time reading your Bible, your first time like throwing that phone away or whatever it is that is going to be that, that, that step of faith is always the hardest. Yeah. Okay. In addition to that, what was your favorite part of writing the book? Oh gosh, hitting send. Oh, nice. You're like, like, I'm done. And all my kids and I, we always have this ritual when we send the book to the publisher, we all gather and we all push the mouse at the same time. Oh, that's fun. Okay. And then the last question for you is what does it mean to you to be happy and healthy? I think um, connected to God, uh, connected to myself and in harmony with in in my relationships without that friction. Mm. Good. I like it. Short and simple. I love that. Well, Levi, thank you so much for coming on Happy and Healthy. Um, This was such a great conversation. I definitely want to listen to more of your sermons. I was kind of scrolling on the YouTube and you have some really like good, you know, clickable titles on there. I was like, man, I want to know how to like stop being disappointed in life. So (laughs) definitely got to watch some of those. Those are awesome. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And then your book is out already. It came out, uh, is that right? January 11th. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Came out so everyone can go and buy this book again. It is called the last supper on the moon. And then if they all, if they want to check you out, where can they find you on social media? Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, but the book also has an audible version. So if you want to listen to it instead of read it, that's out there. So, Oh wow. Did you do the audible version of it? Yeah, I sure did. Okay. How long did that take you? I have to know a very long time, but we also had some help. So I don't know if you noticed, but there's little at the end of every a bunch of the chapters, there's a conquer your inner space sections, which is like devotional or application, a way to like apply the material to your life. My wife read those. Um, So it's kind of fun fun. to have like her on there. And then we also anytime we could, we pulled historical footage in. So like JFK talking, uh, Neil and Buzz talking with the mission control in Houston, we pulled historic audio in. So it kind of has a little bit of like a different flavor. That is so cool. Yeah, I feel like that's like so much more intriguing than just having someone like monotonely read to you. That's awesome. Yeah. And you also yeah, have like, a podcast with your you, wife. When you hear Matthew McConaughey or Will Smith reading their own books, it's so much better than having a voice actor. That's absolutely true. Matthew McConaughey's book was so entertaining to listen to because he just has an iconic voice anyway. So I all love right, that. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. That's my Texas man right there. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, you and your wife have a podcast together. Is that correct? Yeah. Hey, it's the Luscos. We okay. were having a lot of fun. We just had our 70th episode, I think. Oh, so. wow. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, what everyone can go check is, that what out. What are you on? Do you know? Oh man. I honestly don't know. This is season three. So I just took a two month break off the podcast. So you're probably the eighth guest I've now filmed into season three, but I honestly don't know how many episodes I have. I should probably look into that. <laughs> okay. And, and thank you very much for having me today. Of course. All right. Good to chat with you. And guys, until then, stay happy and healthy. Bye, y'all. All right, you guys, that was in Yeah. Wow. What was that? Are we okay, Jay? I don't know about that. That was my conversation with Levi Lesko. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with him. Um, I really loved what he had to say. I was really inspired and I took away some bars from what he said. I was like, ooh, I want to write that one down. And I think it's really cool that he really 
brought in some history and some facts that I didn't know. And honestly, I felt a little stupid saying Neil Armstrong, which obviously Neil Armstrong did go to the moon, but it was not him who he was writing about. It was Buzz. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You heard it in the podcast. I also thought it was so funny that someone asked him about the potatoes. So if y'all don't know, definitely check out the Happy and Healthy Instagram because on there, we are now like asking you guys to submit questions for the guests. So if you're ever wondering who is coming up and if you want to have your questions featured possibly in the episodes, then make sure you follow the Instagram because we are featuring y'all's questions. So we got to have some people ask some questions and Emily asked, what about the potatoes? And first I was like, what are you talking about the potatoes? And then I realized it was from his passion sermon. So that was kind of funny. So if you want to be featured in those, make sure you follow the Happy and Healthy podcast Instagram. That is just Happy and Healthy Podcast. And again, thank you to my monthly Patreons. I actually wanted to shout out a new monthly Patreon. I need to look it up, but I was very, again, I just am so honored every time someone donates. Like I literally am like, what? You want to donate to this? Thank you. So we have uh, Baruni, and she donated, or he, I'm sorry, I can't tell if that's a female or male name. I'm so sorry. But Baruni donated $4.99 a month to my podcast. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. So if you guys do want to, it is not required ever, absolutely not. But if you want to, the link is down below. All right, you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We have so many more fun, amazing guests coming up. Some solo episodes, some good episodes, and I'm just, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to be back. Um, Thank you for listening, you guys. I will see you and talk to you next Tuesday. But until then, stay happy. Bye, y'all.